towards itself. Um, that's why he did not give us the spirit of fear. I am thankful, though, for, for people that are willing to step up and step out. For so long, we've been confined inside of our own selves. We confine ourselves in our, in our bodies, in our minds. Um, we, we try to confine and define God in our own minds. Because we want everything in our own perspective. We want to be able to understand everything that's going on instead of following by faith. You know, Peter didn't let fear stop him at the edge of the boat. He stepped out of the boat. You know, all through the Bible, we, we see stories of people over conquering. You know, David took off running towards Goliath. He didn't just walk out there. He wasn't shaking and quivering. But through God's spirit, David took off running towards the enemy and the giant that he was facing. Fear is, is such an illusion um, and such a strong force. You know, it's part of the devil's tool is, is to get you distracted and to get your mind thinking things um, that aren't even there. You know, they come in imaginations and in spiritual warfare. And man, we have got to battle that full force and head on because... Fear will take you over, and it will make you stop following the Spirit of God. Uh, one of the things we talked about in Sunday school this morning was, you know, quenching the Spirit. It says don't quench the Spirit. A lot of times we allow our own fears to quench the Spirit. If I stopped every time that I got scared or fearful of something, I wouldn't be here today. I can promise you that. The first time I spoke was in a group of church elders and pastors, and I was scared to death. I even told them, I was like, if you hear something knocking, it's not the back door, it's my knees, because I'm scared to death right now. But that's where God wanted me. There was about 50 people in that crowd, and the second time I spoke was at an Ozark County-wide revival where there was almost 200 people. And yes... I was very scared again. But I did not allow my fears, my flesh, my weakness to override God's spirit and what he was calling me to do. And too often I see people back down or bow out or give up because they get scared or it gets hard. Because fear controls you if you allow it to. So I would just encourage everybody this morning if you know it's a God thing, if you know God is calling you to something, if you know that God is calling you to do something, there's things that you can count on when we talk about relying on God. If you know God is doing it, you know He's going to get you through it. He's already been there. He goes before us. He's going to give us the right tools to do it properly and in His glory and His timing. So He's going to equip us he's already been to the other side and expected and that everything's going to be better for us the good of those who believe in him and guess what after he goes to the other side and comes back he's going to go and he's going to walk through it with you we have promises that he gave us in this book that if you'll read we can cast fears aside because all the great things are done over conquering fears i always talked about you know, 
leading a revolution or something that's life-changing or, or life-altering or, or changing a community or changing the government or changing a church body, it's got to start with one. You've got to have one person step out past their comfort zone, through their fears, totally in faith, relying on God. That's the reason I'm here today. I'm not saying that I can do it every time. I'm not giving myself props about doing that because it's solely because of God and what He has done. And He will bring you through things. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked through the furnace, didn't even scorch their hair, didn't even smell like smoke. I go out and put wood in our furnace in five seconds, and I come back in the house, and Misty's like, I love the smell of smoke. (laughs) I mean, I smell like it. I wasn't even in it. I opened the door for like 30 seconds to throw sticks of wood in there, and I smelt like it. I can't imagine walking through it. I mean, it's just, it's a a God thing, and it's fantastic. Um, Anyway, that was all extra material spurred on by the songs this morning. It was fantastic, and I love when people conquer their fears and step out and do things and do not quench the spirit because we talked about man-made traditions and man-made traditions a lot of times we allow tradition to quench the spirit of god and it it hurts me when i see it um i've heard it talked about not just at this church every church i've ever been to you know why we can't do it because we gotta stay on schedule well dang it you know and i i could promise you one of the churches that i i spoke at um and preached at for a year was Horseshoe Bend. And she said, man, if you go for 10 minutes, we'll get to go home early. If you go for two hours, guess what? We're staying late because we want you as a preacher to be completely controlled by the Spirit of God and not the clock on the wall. They did not have a single clock in their church. They didn't care. They didn't care if Sunday school was going good. We waited a little bit longer to start church service. They didn't care. You know, if worship music was great or if somebody felt pressed upon to sing a special, they got up and did it. And it may be the whole church service. And you get up at the end and you speak a word and you don't get out of there until 1.30. They didn't care because they weren't coming here to serve their time. They are coming here to serve God. And that's the difference maker. We've got to get in that frame set of mind. But anyway, if you would, please bow with me as we open in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, I am thankful to be here today, God. What a, what a glorious day, God, that you have made. Lord, what a wonderful group of people. Lord, the, the songs and Sunday school, God. You've, you've walked before us, God, and, and paved the way for us to walk through your blessings, Lord. All we have to do is step towards you, God, and... And we walk through the blessings that you've laid out for us. God, and I am so thankful that you're a God that cares about me. God, that you care about everyone in here enough to wake them up this morning, Lord, and to make an appointment that they could come worship you with other people this morning. Because you didn't bring them here by mistake. God, you wanted them here this morning, and that's why they're here. God, and I am truly thankful for every person that is here this morning, God, and the fact that we have a a warm building to come to and the sunshine outside, God, you are so, so good. Lord, I know that there's people out there facing hard times, God, and I know there's people in here facing hard times, God, but you, you are the Lord of everything, God, and you are good and you mean good for us. 
God, help us stand on your promises as we battle things. God, show us a glimpse of light and help us know, Lord, that your presence is always in our presence, God, and, and that we're walking through our troubles with you by our side, God, and that you've went before us, Lord, and you've prepared the way. God, help us better serve you as you open our hearts and minds this morning, Lord, that we could take in and have you right on our hearts, God, what you would have us to see and hear this morning. God, if it was in the, the music, Lord, help us remember that throughout the rest of our days and our lives, God, that we can hinge on the things and the goodness of your love and your mercy. God, help us be better today, God. I, I pray for a church that's hungering for your spirit, God, that they want more of you in their lives, God. I pray for that in my own spiritual walk, God, that I would continue to hunger and desire your presence evermore in my life. God, I truly am thankful for this opportunity today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, in praying that, I just, this is opportunity this morning. This is opportunity this morning. It just dawned on me that when I was praying that everybody has an opportunity today. Everybody has an opportunity right now. You're sitting in God's opportunity to leave a different person than you came in. To grow. To develop. You came in naked and afraid this morning, but you can leave wearing God's full set of armor today. Amen? That you may came in this morning worried about something, but you can leave knowing that you've already conquered something. And that God set a divine appointment with you here this morning. Isn't that amazing? That the God and creator of the universe made it a special appointment for you this morning. Because he wanted you in his presence. He gave you the breath of life. He brought you here today. He made an appointment with you because this is on purpose. My God does this for a purpose. I got to thinking about the season and how much I just love, I love this time of year. I just mainly, there's a lot of reasons why I love this time of year. It's not as hot. Man, I carry some natural insulation, and it's hot in the summertime. And so it cools off, and I'm not sweating profusely all the time. Uh, hunting season starts, and, and I love, I love, I love to go hunting. I got to experience some first this year in, in taking my son hunting with me. And, man, there's been a lot of great things. I was able to, to kill the biggest buck I've ever killed to date with my bow this year. And it's just ad, it's an additive to the season. But one of the things that I like most as you approach, you know, Thanksgiving and on into Christmas is people's attitudes change. And yes, there's some bad. I'm not going to say that it's all good, but I choose not to focus on the bad. I love the spirit that people get into. And it's not dictated by the lights or the Santa Clauses on the roof or anything like that. But it's overwhelmingly a warmer, more effective spirit that grows inside of people where they're more willing to help this time of year than any other time of year. You see the needs of other people a lot of times. 
the pantry. I know the food pantry, they called me this week, and they're empty because they handed out more food than normal. And you just see the needs of other people because we stop focusing on ourselves for a little bit. And I love this time of year, and I, like I said, not everybody gets like that, but I, I choose to focus on these things because these are the things that help me move along in my walk. When I can see that the world's not all gloom and doom and that it's not getting as bad as they want to say it's getting, but you see goodness in people because it shows me hope. It shows me hope in humanity and the things that we do and teach in the church or maybe spilling out onto community a little bit. I know I'm living in a fantasy world, guys, but I love, I love it. I love it. I've had people call me. Can we put a hat and mitten tree up? Everything stays in Ozark County. Absolutely. Can we put an angel tree up and, and gift out ornaments, you know, that we can shop for foster kids? Absolutely. And will your church sponsor some kids on a list that need things? Absolutely. Because for a little bit, a moment in time, people stop focusing on their self. And they see some needs of people around them. What an important time. And I think that it goes right along with the joyousness of the season because it, it resonated me with me this week that it's kind of a three-step process. It goes from humbleness to thankfulness to joyfulness. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 3.17. It says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He did not come down here to blast everybody and tell them what they're doing wrong. He came down here that everybody might have a chance to receive God's glory. Amen. That's why it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible because we need to be more like John 3.17. We need to stop looking at everybody and telling them everything that they're doing wrong and condemn them for every bad decision that they make, but realize and help them realize that there is life through Jesus Christ, God's Son. Amen? What a message. We can speak literal Life into people and not temporal life, but an everlasting, eternal life through the power and shed blood of Jesus Christ. Man, man, what an opportunity. It's amazing. It's amazing what God did and how he set it up and how it came to be. But I think it's important that you have to know why Jesus came to understand why you're here. If Jesus came as the perfect example to man and he condemned everybody for what they did, then I would say, yes, you have a leg to stand on. But he did not. Jesus came to give his life as a sacrifice so that everyone might have a chance at eternal life. The way that you speak to people and the way that you act around people, are you allowing them to see 
that Jesus Christ came and gave them an opportunity at eternal life. Are we speaking eternal things into people when we talk to them? Or are we telling them how wrong that they've been? Man, I can tell you one thing. When I make a, when I make a mistake, whew, I don't need Missy to come along and, and tell me how bad I messed up. I already know. I already know for the most part, whenever I make a mistake, I don't need seven other people to point it out and keep pointing it out and keep pointing it out. I need help fixing it. I've already made the mistake. I need help fixing it. I need support in fixing it. Sometimes we can't hinge on other people for anything and support because what we have to fix is inside. Sometimes my negativity can overtake me. Misty can't fix that, but she can support me. She can help me. She can guide me through the process. She can point me to eternal things that matter. Instead of setting back and saying, guess what? You messed up again. This is your fault. You call me back whenever you get it fixed. I'm out of here. How many times do we want to do that? How many times? Yeah, it's a little easier to stay hooked in your own marriage. But when we're talking about people on the street, person that cuts you off and then you end up going to the same store. Funny story about that. Me and Jared Hamilton and Evan Bushon were in a small little car and we were going to the bowling alley and these little punk kids cut us off and it turned into a road rage thing. And ends up we were both going to the bowling alley and they had this big jacked up Chevy truck and they hopped down out of there and me and Jared and Evan unfold ourselves out of this little car. And as they were walking towards us and they seen what was going on, they were like. <laughs> we don't have to allow those things to control us. We, we can allow godly things to control us. And we can show people Christ. We don't have to point out what they're doing wrong all the time. But we can offer them a solution. I always think about Barnabas. You know, Barnabas was a great helper. You don't hear much. Who's, who's heard of Barnabas? That's actually more than what I thought. That's pretty impressive. Barnabas was a helper, though. Barnabas wasn't in the spotlight. He didn't need the glory or the fame. But he helped Paul. Because he knew that Paul had a gift. And he went and told the disciples on Paul's behalf, like, listen, guys, I've heard him. He's, he's the real deal because the disciples and the apostles, the apostles were scared of him. Because, I mean, let's face it, who wouldn't be as a Christian if somebody was just, you know, hey, you know, I'm going around, I'm killing every, you know, six foot three overweight white guy with a beard. Guess what? I'm probably going to lay low for a little bit and be a little spookish of somebody that's doing that. But Barnabas stepped in and said, I listened to him preach. He is good. Likewise, Barnabas got sent to Antioch to, to start heading up the churches down there, but knew that he was getting to a point that he wasn't as sufficient as somebody else. So he went and got Paul and brought him back because he knew that Paul had a gift that could help further the church body. 
How willing are we to allow outsiders in that have gifts that we don't possess to further the kingdom of God? We want to stop at our own limitations inside this wall and we want to say, well, our church can't do that. Guess what? Maybe your church can't do that, but maybe our church and Pontiac together can. Oh my gosh, the assembling of the body. What are we talking about? He's getting crazy. I will assure you that most things that are godly will make you look crazy. I mean, if I'm sitting on the shore and I'm looking at the storm and I see the ship and it's getting tossed about and I see this dude stepping up the edge, I'm like, ooh, he done. He's done. He's fixing to just end it. And then I see him walking across the water. I'm going to go, what? It's going to look crazy. A lot of times when people step out in faith, they look crazy. You had Noah building a boat and it had never rained. That was crazy. Why would you need a boat, dude? I don't even know what you're talking about right now. But he stepped out in faith. And his faith made him look crazy. Our faith will conquer fears that we can never conquer on our own. By building a boat. By stepping out of a boat and walking on water. By coming up to a river and saying, you know what? The land that God wants us to have is over there. I'm going to stop this river so that we can get to what God has for us. Who's going to step up in that kind of faith? Say, I can stop this water because God's people need to be over there. I bet if somebody walked up to me today and was like, listen... You need to be in Kentucky. I'm going to stop the Missouri River and you're going to walk across. I'm going to be like, I've got to see this. You're crazy. But it's real. It's what God has for you. It's stepping out in faith. I love also Romans 12 too. It says, And be conformed, do not back up and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God you have to understand that you can no longer be a part of this world and be what God needs you to be you can't be the world and be godly doesn't work like that you have to understand that when you step out and you say jesus christ i know you are the way to the father i know that you died on the cross for my sins that i'm a sinner and i need a savior and i know that you were buried and i know that you're resurrected and you sit on the right hand of the father when you say that when you say that you're saying I am no longer a part of this world. I may live in it. I may walk on the edge of it. But I'm not part of it. Because God has called me to be different. 
I'm accepting Christ as my Savior, and that makes me different. I should act differently. I should talk differently. I should dream differently. I should have hope differently. Everything that I should be is different from what the world tells me I need to be. The world will beat us down. It will tell us that we're not good enough, that we're not beautiful, that we're not special, that we're not called. My father called me by name. He reached out for me. If you don't believe that, then we need to go back and we need to recheck where you're coming from and where you're going to. But this season brings a lot of these things about that aren't normally about. Why? I don't care if you're a believer or a non-believer. I do care, but I'm just saying for story's sake. But this season will bring about non-believers acting in a way that they've never acted before. Sure, we don't know. We probably know that this isn't the exact birth date of Jesus. But that is what we're celebrating. It doesn't matter the date. We're celebrating the birth of the Savior. That's something special. And whether you're a believer or a non-believer, there's something about this season that makes you see things in a different light, in a different perspective. There's this misunderstood happiness. And I say misunderstood because a lot of people don't even realize why they're happy. But just being around the thought or the presence of a Savior makes you happy. Why? Because that's the source of all joy. He's the source of all joy. So just the believers becoming not of this world in this season as they see and they help and they do. I guarantee you churches spend more money between the first of November and the end of the year than they do the rest of the year. Businesses, individuals, I I would almost guarantee you, as far as donation-wise, the last two months of the year, people's budgets change. Mine does. I'm no different than anybody. Mine changes. I give to more people this time of year because I'm in and I'm thinking about the birth of a Savior and it changes me. As it should. As it should. That's why we're called to stand out and be different. First set of scripture, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. If you haven't done any research on salt throughout history, I know you're thinking I'm crazy. There is a lot of cool history in salt. I mean, there's just, it was used as money at some junctures. People would sell slaves in turn of salt. Salt's used to give flavor. It's used to preserve things. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, the history in salt. I, Google, blow it up with salt. It's, it's awesome. It really is. And it brings a great significance as to why he would say 
that we are the salt of the earth. Because it was something sought after. Is your life different enough that people would seek after what you have? That's a tough question. That is a tough question. And I'm not talking about physical things that belong to this earth. But are you full of God's joy enough that they see that you are different from the rest of the world? Has anybody ever asked you why you're so happy all the time? Then you might need to change. Stop wearing the teacher's paddle out. Uh, but we're called to be different. We are the salt of the earth because we do change things. We change the flavor of things. Salt is a preserver. Why? Why does preservation matter? When you're talking these things eternal, life everlasting, a preserver matters. It makes a difference. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The light of the world, a city set on a hill. Do you accept the responsibilities of being set on a hill? It's called out. It's different. It's not mainstream. It's not metropolitan. It's not downtown. It is a city in itself set on a hill to shine. Do people see your light? Verse 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. I don't know what your household looks like, but I have this desire that when people walk into my house, that they can feel love. That they can feel compassion. That they can feel mercy and grace. I don't care who you are. I have a hope and a desire that everybody inside of my house on a normal basis would feel those things and actually act out those things. That anybody else that might enter into my house can feel those things from anybody that's inside of my house because we need a safe harbor. Again, I, I am, this is fantasy world stuff, but no, it's not. It's godly living. It's godly things. It's God's call to our families and to our households. Jesus said, I have nowhere to lay my head. But he laid his head anywhere that people had compassion enough to let him in their house. And they would feed him and give him a place to sleep. Because their house had mercy, love, and compassion inside of it. Did he get shut down? I'm sure he did. I'm sure that he did. But I hope that in the masking I can feed the least of these if they come to my house. I hope as I walk and walk into the bank and, and here at church and, and on the square in Gainesville and even in downtown Springfield, that if I have the opportunity, that God would show me to feed the least of these. 
That's what I love about this season. Because why? Because that is different. That is a different train of thought. That is a different way of thinking. We are transforming our minds to be different than what the world has for us. Verse 16 is a power verse. And maybe else may read it like I do, but I'm going to read it like I read it in my head. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Not just, yeah, let your light shine. It's let your light so shine that it might be powerful, that it would be set on a hill, put on a candlestick, that it would light your whole house, that your family in its darkest days would look for you for power and perseverance and everlasting life. That my kids as friends, when they come over, they know that we're going to pray before a meal and they know that we're going to call on God for power, strength, and forgiveness. That everybody in my house would know what we're about. That everybody at my workplace would know what we're about because I don't relate myself with these old things. I don't tell dirty jokes. I don't cuss. I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat. That when I go on to meet my Father in heaven, the people could say he was different. He lived differently. He wasn't the same. He made an impact on my life. He told me who Jesus Christ was. That is your fruit. There's going to be a lot of funny stories to be told because I've had a lot of experiences not in Christ. You know what? I don't share those stories anymore. They're not as funny as what they used to be. I sit around friends that still do, and that's fine. I don't like to share mine anymore because that's not who I am now, and that's not what I want people to see me as. Now, I will relate my stories in a manner where it has context and it has purpose. If somebody is struggling with an alcohol addiction, I have no problems talking to them about the times that I would get blackout drunk and throw up. But those stories are only appropriate if they're enhancing the kingdom of God in my, my perspective. They're not for good laughter anymore. They're for educational purposes. Because why? Because I've learned from them myself. And that I'm here to help other people through those experiences. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to shine differently. So now that we're transformed and we've humbled ourselves before the Lord, we can start to be thankful for the things that He has given us. Psalms 118, starting in verse 22 and 23. My real point is 24, but I just like 22 and 23, so I'm going to read them. The stone which the builders refused has become... The headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Isn't that? I just love that. I was reading that this morning. I was like, Dad, that's pretty awesome. The stone that they refused has now become the cornerstone. And that is a God thing. And we should think that it is marvelous. Verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. 
Why is it so easy to be so thankful for the big things that happen? Just like it's so easy to pray for the bigger things that we know we have no control over in our life, but we don't want to pray for the little things. The first time that ever got to my, brought to my attention, I had a heifer that was having a huge calf, and she was on the brink of dying. We pulled the calf, milk colostrum, the calf was fine. The heifer, the mama, she was laying there and she was bleeding to death. And Bruce DeWeese and Eric King had come by and had stopped to help me. And Brother Bruce goes, man, let's pray about it. That's a great that's a great idea. How come I didn't think about that? How come I don't think about these things? How come I don't go to God first in everything? Is anybody else like that or is it just me? Do I try to do the things all by myself and then when it doesn't work out, like, oh yeah. Same with being thankful. I was blessed with two happy, healthy kids that are still going strong and I am greatly thankful because I realize that that's not me, that's God. But to wake up this morning and be thankful because God woke me up and that the rest of the day is going to be great because God gave me this part of my life again today. You have to be thankful for everything that God does. The simplest of things that you woke up this morning. And it's a blessing in itself. So guess what? When you open your eyelids in the morning, you've already been blessed. Why does everything go wrong in my day? Not everything went wrong. You woke up this morning. You started off on the right foot. Your own fleshly desires may have led you down the bad road, but you started off on the right foot because God woke you up this morning. Right? Be thankful for the, the simple things. Because we've been humbled. We understand that we serve something bigger than what we are. Now we have to learn to be thankful for these things. Even if it's just the littlest things. Man, sometimes I get frustrated that I have... Man, it was a, a hay season or two ago. It was every time I turned around, I was having to be a mechanic. I hate mechanicing. I hate working on stuff. Man, I wish I had the money to just haul it off and not have to work on it, but I don't. And so here I am when it's 100 degrees outside, laying down or bent over and working on a disc mower or a tractor or a baler. Just every time I turned around, something was broken. I was just so frustrated. It's like, gosh, dang, I just, why is it every time I turn around, something's breaking? I just wish I could have new things that wouldn't break. And I had a guy that was helping me. He's like, new things, just parts are more expensive. <laughs> He's like, they're still going to break. But I had a tractor to work on. I had a disc mower to work on. My rake. Uh, knock on wood. The rake's pretty simple. It hasn't broke on me yet. I had a baler to work on. I have tools to work with. My parents own a shop and built a shop. I have a place to go to work on things. I have parents that love me enough to allow me on their place to work on things. I have cattle. That's the only reason I'm cutting hay. 
my gosh, when you start looking around, wow, I'm pretty blessed. But you have to realize all of these little things and be thankful for them to get the big picture. If nothing else, if nothing else goes right in your day, when you wake up, you woke up. And that went right. That went according to God's purpose. Every day, the first thing in your day, when you open your eyes, you are awakened by God's touch that He opened your eyes and allowed you to have at least part of that day. You started out in God's touch. There's no better way to start out a day when you think about it. How thankful can we be for every day? This is the day that the Lord's made. Satan didn't make it for your demise. God made it for His glory. Amen? And we're here to glorify a Father in Heaven that loves us. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Paul is speaking. He says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Whoo! That's a tough one right there, but again, we're transforming, right? The world is not content. When you look outside, is the world content? No. You start, I always think about the progression of farm equipment. You know, you went from a sigh to now they've got 25-foot bat-wing brush hogs because, my gosh, I don't even have enough land to turn one of those around. But we started out brush hogging. Grandpa had a five-footer. And it wasn't good enough. Now I own a 10-footer. We never had a tractor with a bucket until Grandpa bought a John Deere two-wheel drive tractor with a bucket. And it was like the greatest thing ever. You could move anything. I mean, there wasn't nothing that was safe. Me and my brother, we just move stuff. You just push it because you can. But you always want more. You always want bigger. You always want better. You want to move faster. You want to be sharper. Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Good morning, glory. You woke up because God woke you up. Good morning, glory. You can resort back to that. I started off in God's presence this morning because He brushed my eyelids back and I woke up this morning. I felt a touch from God this morning because He opened my eyes. Verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and on all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Where is your focus? Where is your focus? When we talk about going through these things, when we talk about transforming are you going from world to world are you going world to heaven because man i want to go i want to go world to heaven i'm not looking for another world i'm looking for a god that created me that's what i'm looking for i want to abound more and more in his glory that doesn't mean i have more earthly things that means i have more of his gloriousness and his righteousness inside of me that i might be a candle on the end of a candlestick or a city set on a hill the salt of the earth that can give preservation to other people through his glory amen 
Do you see the transformation that's taking place today? Do you see the transformation as we're coming out of this world, as we're growing in our walk, we should be getting happier and more joyful as we grow closer and closer to the King of Kings. Because He is joy. He's not happiness because happiness is based on things around you. Joyfulness is the thing that comes from inside of you that God has placed there. Because you have humbled yourself and you now live a life for Him and not yourself. It's a transformation. Not to be about this world, but to be transformed out of this world. Because where I'm going, earth doesn't belong. The things of this world doesn't belong. I'm going to a God that loves me. And has made me righteous through His blood. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, starting in verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. John 13, 35 says, They will know that you are my disciples, Because of your love, one for another. The most basic thing that makes us set apart from the rest of the world is our love for one another. Jesus said, this is how they will know you are my disciples. This is how they will know, meaning the world will know that you are my disciples, that you're seeking me, that you are my understudy, is the love that you have for one another. Verse 9, chapter 15, it says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. This I have noted and highlighted in my Bible several times. The key to true joy. Verse 11. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. He tells us how to keep our joy full. Follow me, keep my joy in you, and your joy will be full. It says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain 
that whatsoever ye shall ask of my Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. Our love gets heightened in this season. It's because the Savior was born. If you're feeling different, if you feel different, I don't care. You can hate the lights and all the flashy shopping things, but that does not need to down and damp it and quench the Spirit of God, which soars through this season. It is easier in this season than any other season to shine the light of God because people are knowing, they're stirring in the air. I'm not saying that you have to go preaching to the world, although we should. That's what he commands us to do. But I'm saying be a light. Keep God's love in your heart. When somebody cuts you off or grabs the last thing at Walmart on Black Friday instead of elbow dropping them, walk away thankful that you've probably got a rig to get in when you leave. That you're probably with somebody that loves you and that you love. And guess what? That might be an opportune time as you're sitting there ripping on a pillowcase because it was 50% off to look somebody, another God creation in the eye and say, I love you. I love you not because of what you wear, how your hair looks, what clothes you got on or what shoes are on your feet, but I love you because God created you and that's what he commanded me to do was love one another. You may take this pillowcase because I love you and God loves you. Not in a hateful, spiteful way. People can pick up on that. God loves you. Take it and go. (laughs) It's not going to mean a whole lot. But out of trueness of heart, that's where people act of a lot of times this year. Out of trueness of heart. It's got to be a heart condition. That's why I said humbleness Surrendering yourself to the Lord, allowing God to take control of your life. Thankfulness. You got to understand that every day is a blessing from God. It doesn't matter what happens in it, it's a blessing because God made your day. And following Jesus' command by loving one another will continually fill you with joyfulness. It's a transformation process. Because we're not called to be this world. We're called to be the salt, the light, the city on a hill. Different than what's going on around us. So that we might help transform other people. So as you stay in this morning, as we open up the altars, if you've got that bitterness in your heart of I just hate this holiday season and and how it's become commercialized and and everybody's out to capitalize on my money it does not have to be like that you don't have to get in mainstream social advertising television media you don't go mainstream you go God stream God has something for you this season he might have someone for you this season because God is working And as long as we keep his commands, we can go through the season with a joyful heart when we realize that it's not about the stuff. It's not about the stuff. It's not about the lights and the tree. One of the best parts I love about this season is family. 
man, family. You get to sit around and eat way too much food and visit with family not feeling bad about what you didn't accomplish that day. Right? Thanksgiving. Take it. Absorb it. Grow from it. Transform your mind out of this world that this season, this holiday season, this Savior-bearing season might be the best season of your life. Because you're going to start today by transforming your mind away from the worldly things that want to show you what's on sale to praying before you go in somewhere that God might provide you with an opportunity to share. Man, just think about that. Just I don't who goes Black Friday shopping? Okay, there's some cool stuff out there on sale. Got a TV for 200 bucks last year, just saying. It's awesome. But what if everybody Every Christian, before they went in every store, prayed earnestly, wholeheartedly. I'm not talking about just giving him lip service. I'm talking about wanting to find somebody that they can witness to. Man, opportunity. God woke me up this morning. I want to share that with somebody else today. God, show me somebody. Show me somebody. Does anybody get excited about that? How many people earnestly, earnestly pray for it? I'm not talking about just saying it. I'm talking about praying with your heart. The kind of prayer that you don't even have to talk with your mouth. That God can read it from your heart because that's what you desire. If you're not there, don't get discouraged. We're in a transformation process. It's a process. We've got to work and we've got to grow. We're cultivating each other. That's why we're here today. We want God to work in our lives. We want brothers and sisters in Christ to work in our lives. Hopefully they're living right. But it's a transformation process and it can start today. If you've not hit the go button, today's the day. If you've not relinquished your life to an all-knowing, all-powerful all merciful, because I needed a lot of mercy. I'm glad that it's never ending. It renews every day and I need it. Because he loves me. If you haven't said yes today, if you wonder why you go from happy times to sad times, back to happy times, back to sad times, and you're riding that roller coaster, it's because you're seeking happiness and not joy. Joy is a constant gift from God. But we have to realize who we aren't to realize who he is. And that's the first step of humbleness. We go from humbleness to thankfulness to joyfulness. It's a transformation process. And it can start today. Wherever you're at, don't white knuckle the pew in front of you because you're holding on to temporal things. Let go and come up front and accept everlasting life. Accept forgiveness for the things that you've done. Accept a leadership value where he's never going to lead you astray. Man, that's something I need in my life every day. Somebody that's not going to lead me astray. Something that only has good for me in their mind. How many places can you turn to that will give that to you 24-7? There's only one place to look and it's up. Only God can give you true 
in divine leadership every day of your life. Today is that day. Today the transformation process starts. Today we can become more than we were yesterday because we're starting to see God in everything that we do. Maybe you just ask forgiveness for today. The first step is the hardest one. The first step is the hardest one always. But taking that first step will change the rest of your life and it may change somebody else's life. The altars are open. Come make a transformation today if you haven't made one yet. Come make a commitment today if you haven't committed yet. Maybe you just need a renewing and you need a brother or a sister to pray with you today because you need that strength and you need that encouragement. Today is that day to ask for that. The altars are open. Hey, man, every day is an opportunity. An opportunity to accept the things that you haven't. An opportunity to just sit back and abound in God's blessings and His great glory. If nothing else, to feel God's touch. As you realize that He walked by you and gently brushed your eyelids open this morning. Think about that when you wake up. Man, I just, the visualizations that I get when God's presence is around me is just, it's awesome. It's awing. It's inspiring. Gives me a whole new take on a normal day. It's not just a normal day anymore. God has touched me already. It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing opportunity. Um, I've got quite a few announcements if you guys want to go ahead and sit back down. We've got no services this Wednesday because of the holiday. Um, December 8th, we will have our church holiday dinner. On December 8th, we will have our church holiday dinner. There's a food sign-up sheet in the fellowship hall. Tonight is also fourth Sunday seeing night. Get some specials together. I love it, man. If you haven't been yet, I, I'm honest. If you haven't been yet, we sing a lot of hymnals as a, as a group. There's a lot of people that got special talents that come and sing, and it's amazing. But if you truly haven't just sat with a group of people, I, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not throwing anybody else in the fire but me but you sat among a group of people and you sound terrible by yourself, man, you can, you can sing a joyful noise to the Lord because when you get mixed in with the group, they can't hear you. And the church sounds great together. Who's, who's heard that? Who has witnessed a congregation and you hear people talk and it's annoying and it sounds terrible, but when they sing a joyful noise together, it sounds great. And you're like, who are these people? It's amazing. It's it truly is a joyful thing to, to sing praises. He calls us to do it. We need to do it. Um, I can't sing, but I sing with the group. And you can't hear me, so don't let that scare you off. But it is an amazing time. We usually have finger foods afterwards, sit and drink coffee, and just visit for a little bit. But it's, it's a, it is a fun time. I do enjoy it. Um, a lot of the little kids get up and sing stuff, too. That's pretty cool. The kids get up and 
and do duets and solos. And it's just an amazing time. If you haven't ever been, come check it out tonight. Also, next Wednesday, next Sunday is a busy day. So next Sunday, we'll have normal services in the morning. Next Sunday night's where it gets confusing. So next Sunday, we will have nursing home service at 4 o'clock. If you haven't ever done that, that's pretty cool. We go up and I'll give a little word or whoever, if somebody else wants to. Uh, but we'll go up and we'll give a little word and then we sing. And they truly, truly enjoy that. It's, it's, it's really an amazing opportunity to get to serve those people around you. Um, they, they love the kids. They love the kids. But I will just say that if they're not healthy, don't take unhealthiness into the, nurse, the nursing home. They need healthy kids to keep them happy. Unhealthy kids are not going to do them any favors. So make sure you're happy and healthy when you're going in there. That's at 4 o'clock. Yes. Yes. The community choir is also going with us. So if you haven't heard them, they done Wednesday night last week, and it was, you guys were great. And there's some, there's some youngers in the community choir. It's not just older people this year. No offense. Sorry. Um, but there is some younger people, and it's, it's awesome to see. Um, after that, kids will have service here. They're going to make gingerbread houses. So if you want to come make gingerbread houses, let Deb know. We're going to try to get an accurate count of how many gingerbread house kits we need to get. The adults, our church has volunteered to go shopping for five foster kids. The adults are going to go do that in Mountain Home after the nursing home service. We're going to meet here probably around five, and we're going to go shop and fill these lists. So if you want to be involved with running the Mountain Home and, and shopping for the foster kids, um, then we're going to do that next Sunday evening. Did I miss anything? Did I do really? Did I do good? Sweet, thanks, buddy. Yes, one sixty is closed to Forsyth. If anybody travels that way, you have to go. I don't know the way to Branson. Other than that, you can go to Springfield. No. Just a heads up. 